All right, and welcome to another edition of the Write the Radio podcast, where we, the writers of Last Out Media, take a look at the work we're doing and the look around the Philadelphia sports scene and whatever else is going on. I'm here, as always, with Rob Whitney, a.k.a. Bobby Dubs. How you doing this week? I'm doing good. How you doing? We all snowed in. I'm we good. All, we, all, <laughs> we all snowed in here, but uh, other than that, I think everything is fine. Yes, we are snowed in here. Uh, it looks like, Rob, I can't tell if you're in a basement or outside, but I mean, yeah, I thought, you're chilling. <laughs> I, was like, I thought he'd be on the porch. He'd have a sitting there. I don't know, his, his regular backyard uh, <laughs> hangout. Nah, <too laughs> Oh yeah, okay. that's that's not uh that's not for daylight hours. Nah. Uh, not until like eleven thirty hours anymore. All right, so yeah, we are all using what Steamyard here. Yep. As we're all sort of stuck at home, uh, we've got. Ooh, did we remember to tell Taylor not to come in? I don't know. <laughs> I do. I'm I'm lost. <laughs> really hope Taylor is not in studio right now. Um, but we do have our topics to get to, and he can yell at us later. Um, <laughs> if I have to, I'll just send him some money. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll hook Taylor up. Taylor's good yeah. people. <laughs> we'll take care of him. So uh, I guess we should start right off. Uh, last podcast, we were doing a lot of speculating over uh, who the new coach would be. And as it turns out, it was Sirianni. Yeah. The Don, as yeah. he's now being called. <laughs> the Don Sirianni. <laughs> uh, it's, it's an interesting pick, to say the least. I mean, he wasn't really ballyhooed as – uh, this is this amazing guy. He didn't. I don't know if he got quite the the height that the 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 Sean McVeighs of the world got. I mean, like when they were a, a hot assistant, and this is going to be the next guy. So I don't think he got that type of hype. But you know, there were rumblings. You know, you did hear some good things. He works well with Frank Reich, and a lot of those guys are looking to move on. A lot of them have moved on to our staff. I don't know if this is Indianapolis East now, but. <laughs> And, and I mean, you mentioned Frank Reich, who really is sort of the key to this scenario. He was here for Carson's best year for that. Now, it feels like it's infamous 2017 campaign. So you got to imagine that taking a guy from Frank Reich's lineage is kind of a step towards, you know, getting Carson back in line. Though, I mean, nobody said it publicly and they can't. And there's all this talk about every position is an open competition. But. Yeah, you're right. It looks like they're, they're, they're uh, I think in the words of that, that old H Town song, they're trying to get that old thing back. <laughs> they're like trying to make, make it work the way it used to work back when. Though. I will say, I don't think it matters because I think they've already shot themselves in the foot by doubling down on not being sure and trying to cover their bases and cover their asses because who's the quarterback's coach, right? Brian Johnson, who 
has you known Jalen Hurts since he was in diapers and tried to recruit him, uh, you know, back in his college days. So at this point, you know, okay, so you hire the head coach who comes from the Frank Reich Carson Wentz family, you know, friendly system. Then you hire a quarterback's coach who knows Jalen Hurts, knows Jalen Hurts' daddy, has been over to Jalen Hurts' grandmama's house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Friend of the family and whatnot. Yeah, like at that point, like what, what? It doesn't matter what you do because now you've got what? Uh, now you don't even have a cohesive unit among the coaching staff, which you supposedly are handpicking. Yeah, it's like you're. It's like you brought this guy Sirianni in, but what you're doing is uh, once again you're like you're micromanaging. You're telling him who who he can have and who he can't have, and. Oh, yeah. It's kind of crazy. It's like I don't understand whether they think this is going to be different than what the situation they just had. Eventually, if this guy is is worth anything, or you know, he's a strong coach, that eventually he's going to be like, well, I want my, I want to have things done my way. I want to have my say, and and then that's just going to blow up in their faces, like it did with Dougie P. At the end of the day, that's what happened. It came down to we want you to do things this way. Doug said no, and they said, well, you can kick rocks. So uh, it almost sounds like they Sirianni should just sort of march into Howie's office and start blasting Sinatra. You know, I did it. (laughs) Start spreading the news. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, and like, I, I would hate to see, like, when it does come down to roster decisions, that there isn't any. Like he says, like we saw his first conference. We all said he was full board he's on board with whatever how he decides and i guess how he's going to have the last say uh, you know mm-hmm. who, who's getting picked and all of that stuff but eventually again that has to have its complications and has to butt heads i mean i would hate to think at one point that how he's going to wake up with an eagle's head in his bed <laughs> with, with a message from don mm-hmm. telling him don't go against the family yeah <laughs> don't do if, it if nick fails Howie's got to go, right? Yeah, yeah, he's got to go. There's no more surviving after this. You got to make it right or be done. I would hope at least. Yeah, yeah, you. it's got to be done after that. Like, you can't. So you hopefully can't. that means that Nick is going to, him and Nick will work together to make it work. I don't know, dude. The Eagles are such a mess that, honestly, I haven't even been paying attention. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, better topics going on, like the, you know, the Super Bowl, you know, exactly. successful football. I, I don't know if anybody We're wants to good talk about that or they find that enjoyable. I, I mean, it's still good football. You still enjoy a good football game, regardless of your team's not involved. And it's sure to be a good game. And maybe who knows, even though I think Brady will play another bazillion years, it could be a, a patch into the torch type moment. Like this is the new guy. This is the new face of the league. Uh, getting the torch passed in by the guy that pretty much held held down the shield for the last 20 years. So this is going to be an interesting dynamic from a lot of different uh, positions, just as far as like the game on the field, uh, the monumentalness of, even though I don't root for Tom Brady, I don't want his team to win. I do have some type of love for the Bucks and the fact that their staff is comprised mostly of African-American uh, assistant coaches and coordinators. I do love that. 
and I'm happy to see that. But uh, I ain't I ain't wishing no no luck. <laughs> uh oh, Bobby Dubs is starting to tiptoe serious issues into the podcast. <laughs> we should yeah, stop. It was in a while. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want us to get canceled or nothing, but uh, it, 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 it's a nice look, you know. I don't think you can get canceled. Yeah, I, I don't think you can get canceled. I, I can get canceled. No, I mean, like, you're saying you want them to win because you, like, you don't get canceled for supporting diversity. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, and I don't even want them to win. I just said I think it's nice. I don't want them to win. Maybe I'll get canceled with that. I want these group of players to fail on Sunday. <laughs> Spectacularly, if possible. But, I really yeah, don't think nice. if, if it wasn't for Tom Brady, then probably wouldn't, I'd probably root for him, to tell you the truth. Yeah, it is a nice the whole story with them hosting the game. That's something that's never happened ever. I will say I like Todd Bowles who was an Eagles interim defensive coordinator, uh, one of our last minority coordinators, yeah. Yeah. Uh, outside of Juan Castillo. <laughs> oh, God, don't bring that back up. Please yeah. don't bring that up. Um, but, yeah, I don't – like, really, the, how much coaching is Byron Leftwich doing at this point? I think Tom Brady's <laughs> older than he is. Oh, he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But they have they had a couple other guys too, and they I think they have two girls too. Yes, they do. Yeah. Uh, props to um, Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians, yes. Yeah. Thanks, T- right. Tampa's got a whole menagerie of diversity. Oh yeah, I'm so I'm so rooting for Kansas City. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I'm for, I like to root for Andy and uh, they got, they got a yeah, right. Well, they have an <laughs> offensive coordinator. Yeah, offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. He should have been the Eagles coach. He should have been the Eagles coach. Not rooting for either team, right? How, did he not, how does he still not have a job? I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I guess the, the book on him is he doesn't interview well. Yeah, he doesn't interview well. <laughs> um, and the, the rules for, like, the NFL interviewing are kind of weird, right? So when it gets to the playoffs uh, – Coach on a current playoff team can only be interviewed in the bye week. Yeah. So I, it's, he was either the first guy to get interviewed or he would have been the last guy to get interviewed. So, I mean, it, it, it all depends on, I don't know, team philosophies, uh, a lot of different and factors. Then they're also like the his teams, because he's still under contract, ability to not allow an interview. Like yeah. you say, all right, my guy's not interviewing with with you, and you know th- those situations also arose. Like they they keep him very uh, close to the vest, and they don't like to put him out there unless they're gonna, I guess, let him leave to the best situation possible. And in a way, I think he, he may be being betrayed by his own success or the success overall of the team, right? Because we all know Andy's calling the plays. Or, or at least Andy scripts the first 15 every game. And, you know, we've seen Mike Kafka get a little bit of publicity since he's the quarterback's coach. So he's the guy working directly with Patrick Mahomes. So that makes him an attractive candidate, you know, watching his development and what Mahomes does. And then, you know, you look at the Kansas City offense and you think, well, yeah, if you get the – controls to a Ferrari, you're going to be able to drive fast. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how it works. Yeah. So, I mean, and the weird thing is, it's like, there is, I think there has to be an experience question, right? Because Nick Sirianni and, say, Eric Bieniemy, if we're going to compare them straight up, they've, they've both been an offensive coordinator for three seasons. That's, you know, equal, really. And then, sort of, Bieniemy has the experience of being an NFL running back, of being, you know, I- involved in coaching just a little bit longer. But, you know, you could say pound for pound, Sirianni has coached on both sides of the ball. He's coached uh, defensively in college. He's been an offensive coordinator. He's been a quarterback's coach. He's been a wide receiver's coach, a running back's coach. The enemy's coached running backs and then been an OC. So it's, I, I mean, I don't know. People seem to not think that highly of running backs coaches, as we've seen with uh, our boy Deuce. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't understand, and, and I get it, unless they're like, like you usually get a lot of the people that get promoted to OC from quarterback coach is like mm-hmm. that person's got their thumb on the most important position, the most important player on the team, usually, and then you know they get more and more input, they give more and more input uh, to the offensive game plan and the players that are being run. So like, yeah, you do see the quarterback go go to the OC, go to head coach, like who we just mentioned, Byron Leftwich. He was the quarterback's coach in Arizona before he got, you know, Arians made him the interim OC. And then when Arians got the new job, he immediately brought him over to Tampa Bay. Yeah. And that's uh, what I I was looking it up the other day is running back coaches. They're almost a dying breed. You barely even need that position anymore. Right, because running backs are almost wide receivers, so you could probably loop them into that position group. I mean, I was reading like one of the enemy's highlights, and it was uh, uh, Adrian Peterson and Jamal Charles had their best seasons under him. Like, okay, well, AP is now a 35 year old man, and he's still <laughs> running the rock, and that's whatever. That was in Minnesota. It's like, oh yeah, that was the last time Minnesota was a quality team. Exactly. And then, you know, Jamal Charles had like, what, a three-year period of greatness and then flamed out almost immediately? Yeah. It's it's a much different, right, game uh, that it seems to be changing more towards passing, receiving. And then you got to wonder, as a guy who was a running backs coach for 10 years before he became an OC, is he able to make that adjustment? Is he prepared to make that adjustment? You know, it's little things like that that I think teams – are looking at and asking in the interview, and then you know whatever the enemy is saying isn't pleasing to them. Well, I mean, Houston hired David Coley, right? Yes, who was a high receiver yeah. coach in Philly. What did he do after that? Uh, well, the, Cully has like had forty years of coaching experience. Yeah. I actually, uh, he was in Baltimore most recently. Yeah, I actually know David. I've uh, he, he I used to work on his car, believe it or not. <laughs> But um, like uh, he's still not like he's not an OC, right? So he was a like, passing why- game coordinator, whatever that yeah. is. That's a stupid title. <laughs> it's even like, stupider when you think about it being on the Ravens. Yeah, like and, and like so. Let's let's be honest. David, David Coley is not white. So the Houston, the Houston thing, like it's not. I don't think it's a racist, racial no, thing. Like, no, I don't think where so. he comes from. I loved it. Like Mr. Coley, Coley, I love him. Like he's the man. But like, 
uh, Eric the Enemy, I'd feel like should be ahead of him. Like, so there, there's got to be something else there. That there's also this feeling that Eric the Enemy is being forced on people, and Maybe. when you have people in power, people that can make these types of decisions. They don't like being told, well, this is a guy you got to hire. This is a yeah. guy you need. This is a guy you got to pick. Who are you to tell me what to do? This is my franchise. This is my team. I own it. I'll pick whoever I want to. And like, like literally, I've heard that they believe there is some agenda to get Eric Bieniemy hired, regardless of his qualifications or not. And they will not be bullied into hiring hiring Eric Bieniemy. That's and the number some of them feel. If he's the offense, I, I mean, I also think you think Doug hurt him. So do you think having an OC come in and become a head coach? And even though he won a Super Bowl, nobody really thinks that he can run an offense anymore. That's true. Uh, that's true. That is a bad look. Under Andy, they're kind of saying like maybe people look at it and say, "Well, he's you know Andy's that's Andy's offense. What does he actually do?" You know, look at Doug. Doug came in, he won with Frank Wright, helped him call plays, and now he's like the dumbest coach on earth that it looks like. So I wonder if that hurt him. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point because people always look at past history, see how people from that coaching tree, quote unquote, you know, how they turned out and how those things were going. Even though, like you said, Doug won when the other minds around him left, like Fip and uh, right, he went downhill and quickly, and it was like every year the offense got progressively worse. And you're like, well, if this guy, if I hire this guy and his assistants do well and they get poached off, is this guy going to start to decline? Is, am I going to get the same thing? So yeah, it's 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 tough. That but aside, Andy's tree, Andy's tree is pretty good though. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, the, the from the Eagle side, I don't know who came from KC. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand it. I, I was thinking a coordinator, no matter if he calls plays or not, of one of the best offenses in the league, should be uh, pretty in pretty high demand. Now, uh, Rob, uh, can you compare this to like the typical NBA head coaching search? No, like it, it, does it compare in any way? Um, uh, you mean Eric was coaching? Just in general, like the process of hiring a coach, are there any similarities or anything you can draw from, you know, say covering the NBA as to applying it to the NFL or vice versa? I think it's a little different. Um, one of the things about the NBA is they guys generally know who they want and they're not restricted. Like they're not restricted by, say, the Rooney rule. Mm-hmm. So they don't even have to interview anybody if they don't want to. Like, like look at the Sixers. When as soon as Doc became available, all the interviews just kind of got thrown to the side, and they said, "That's our guy. We want him." Mm-hmm. So, like, I think when when big names become available, you know, in in the NBA, you know, look at Steve Nash. He came out of nowhere. So they don't, and and that's the second thing too. They don't even pull from coaching trees all the time. Steve Nash, Steve Kerr. Um, you know, so I, I think it's a lot different, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of times just having a name can get you a job in the NBA as opposed to, oh, I worked with this guy or 
I had a cup of coffee with a uh, Patrick Mahomes once, and that, that means I'm some type of offensive genius. And then maybe you get a look in the NFL. But it's like, like you said, you got guys that played, and then guys who have a name, like Frank Vogel. Like he was okay in what was it, Orlando and Indiana, yeah. but uh, you know. He was a name that people kind of knew. You heard that name, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I recognize that name. And then, like, some of the other candidates for that job were, like, Jason Kidd, and everybody knows that name. It's like household names tend to get jobs in the NBA, even if it's a guy that came from college, like a Brad Stevens. It's like, oh, yeah, we know that guy's team does well in the uh, tournament. The, um, You're not going to get the unnamed guy in the NBA. The smaller guys, like the assistant coaches that move up, they other than Ty Lu. They generally go to like uh, tanking teams or rebuilding teams, like yeah. a or a. Um, I mean, I would say Pelicans, but they got Steve Van Gundy, um, uh, Stephen South. Like, even though Houston said they wanted to make the playoffs this year, they they knew Harden was gone when they hired him, and they knew they were rebuilding. So, you know, bigger name coaches don't want to do that, you know. So they get the the smaller coaches first to do it. Yeah, I mean, well, Brett Brown, perfect Brown. example. Yeah. yeah, Brett Brown was actually brought in to lose. It's crazy. Yeah. Not even just rebuild, just just lose. <laughs> and and now Brett's not going to sniff a job for what two three years at least. Oh yeah, you you got to let that, that stench kind of. <laughs> air out versus you start trying to pedal yeah. that again. It all depends. There, there was rumors that he didn't want to coach this year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he has a disabled or a uh, not maybe not disabled. What's the right word? I don't know the right word. His daughter has some kind of disability or um, so he like kind of wanted to stay home with his. his mm-hmm. I bet you he ends up, if he doesn't end up in the coaching in the league, he'll end up co- coaching back in Australia again. They love him out there. Yeah, you got to think he'll go Australia or he'll find his way back to pop, right? Yeah, maybe. He'll get another, he'll definitely get another job. He's not my, a bad coach. My, my dream would be him and Pop just take over like the Australian national program and turn that into a world superpower. Well, I don't, I don't know if they're going to let Pop do that. <laughs> I don't think a Team USA is going to let him get away like that. I mean, Team USA, they can take their pick. They got what? They got Ty Lue. You could put Doc Rivers out there. Spolstra. Yeah, Spolstra, Steve Kerr. But Doc, Doc also, I don't know how much longer he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. He's old. Yeah. Brett's pretty old, too, I think. Yeah, Doc is kind of old because you don't get to where he's at on the, at the all-time coaching list as far as wins go without being around a long time. Yeah. Can you see something cool? Yeah. This is how much I love you guys. Say hi to my class. <laughs> hi, class. Hello. <laughs> Screw school. I'm here. They don't do know what they love. Do you That's love us that much? Or, or you, you just, do you love us that much or are you just over school? I've been over school. <laughs> Now that I started working, I'm even more over it. Oh, yeah. I heard you got a desk now and everything. I know. You're the man. You got my own computer. They expect me to actually finish this project. 
They're in their world of hate. I think they think I'm an engineer. I swear to God, dude. Like, yeah. I'm not even kidding. Like, telling me things. And I'm like, you guys know I'm just an avionics guy. They're like, yeah, you're part of the engineering team. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I thought you were an engineer. So. Exactly. Right. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just there to route wires. But whatever. I'm not paid like an engineer. I'll tell you that much. Uh, they they making uh, Rob sound like he the MVP over there, kind of like Joel Embiid is right now for the Sixers. And you got to be proud of that, Rob. Do you think right um, now he's the favorite for MVP? On you ask, <laughs> because Twitter's in an uproar right now about Joel and uh, Jokic. Mm. But yeah, huh? I don't understand this fascination with Jokic. Oh, I do. He's really good. I mean, he he's a big guy with twinkle toes. Like that's that's nice. <laughs> that's fun. He's averaging a triple double, and he's he's doing it well. And his passing, they they run the offense through him. Like he can pass the ball better than probably any big man in the league. So the problem is. Um, problem is, like, he doesn't play defense. So, Joel has a, a hand up on him anyway, right there. Yeah. Joel should be in the yeah. conversation, defensive player in the year. And then, like, Joel is still, even on top of what Jokic is doing offensively, Joel is probably the most, is, is on pace to be the most efficient season of the, of NBA history. Like, he's averaging Shaq-like numbers. And his true shooting percentage is ten percent higher than Shaq's best season ever. Wow! So there, there's probably going to be a regression. I mean, he's he's making like he's shooting like sixty percent on seventeen footers right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he keeps up, but he's like his level is so high right now that when he regresses, he'll still be an MVP candidate. I was gonna say Joel's hitting an awful lot of those fadeaways. Dude, <laughs> like that can't keep up. It's an absurd number, like absurd. He's shooting forty percent from three. He's seven foot two. He's always been like at least a thirty, like two, like thirty three percent three guy, right? Yeah, he's an anomaly. He's, like, like he's also been freak. working with Drew Hanlon for four years now, and mm-hmm. Drew got a lot of shit on Sixers Twitter because he said that he was going to fix uh, what's him call it, Markel, and then Markel yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, look at the guys that Drew works with. You know, the the Bradley Beals, the Jason Tatum's, the uh, who else does he work with? Joel. Um, there's five guys that can start an All Star game, honestly, if you think about it. That work with him, so he's a really good trainer, and I think Joel's just kind of putting it all together. Mm-hmm. So, and he's taking he's taking less threes, but he's taking better threes too. That's really helping his percentage. Yeah. Except for when he wants to dribble and step back. Yeah, like sometimes he starts feeling himself and, you know, he has those heat check moments. <laughs> but other than that, you know, he's usually, you know, he takes it at the right time. But he'll, so, and Joel's got the thing too. If they end up first in the East, that'll help him a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I'm not a big, so I said this last night, I'm, I'm not big into MVP talk 20, 25 games in the season. Um, just because, you know, 
an MVP to really be an MVP, you got to do it all season long. Um, we haven't seen that from Joel yet. So, but I, I think a lot of it's like kind of just talk, you know, to get reaction. Like I saw somebody last night that said unequivocally, Nick uh, Jokic is way is the MVP, and Joel's not even close because Joel missed four games. Like, dude, come on! Like, yeah, that don't make any sense. You can't you can't say it that firmly, you know, unless you're looking for a reaction. Pretty so, much, you know, people got to have a take. In theory, I guess he maybe not anymore, but you could have made a case for KD for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Jokic, Luca, even though his team sucks. <laughs> so there's always a case for LeBron. <laughs> Every year, I think that's why that's why he doesn't get it because every year he should be an MVP. Because, I think that's why he gets the reactions he gets, like the one he got the other night. Oh, from the Karen lady, the or, courtside Karen, as he called it. You see that, Matt? You see that, Matt? It's all over that, Twitter. That, just... that, that was in like, uh, I get is that not what they happens every day though? Or is it just amplified because there's nobody there? I think it was amplified because nobody was there. And so, the, and you know, her reaching later, like she's trying to make something of this and like get her face everywhere. So like she's doubling down on, yeah, I was standing up with my man. If he somebody says something to my man, I don't care if it's LeBron or the homeless man on the corner, I'ma say something. I'ma check that person. I'm like, stop it. You really are hamming it up, lady. I appreciate it. And you yeah. should have seen it. It is hilarious because you should have seen it. Like they they found a picture of the couple, and the dude is like, like, oh, that'd be my dad. And this girl's 25. And he's like all cut. And I think what pissed him off is uh LeBron called told him to sit his roided ass down somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> sit your old okay. roided ass down. And then she, she the took it up. Apparently the guy hates LeBron. Yeah, he hates him. So and it's been going to like the Hawks games, like especially when he plays for like ten years. When I when I first LeBron. when I first heard the story, I was in the car on the way home tonight. I missed it last night. Or on the way to work today, and they were talking about it on the radio. One of the hosts was uh, he was like, oh, you you know, LeBron, he he can't say that. Like he can't call a fan an F and B. Like it, he's they were like it's a bad look, and I was like, yeah, you know what. Maybe LeBron shouldn't do that. Then I started watching some videos. And I was like, nah, 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 she's a fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm not even sure he said that. <laughs> that's that's the thing about courtside seats, though. Aren't you paying for that? Aren't you paying essentially for the chance to interact with the players? Interact. You can boo and hiss and all of that. Don't call me out my name. I don't care what you paid for your ticket. Yeah. That's so like a John, problem. So John <laughs> was on 97.5 Mornings. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he came from Atlanta, so he knows a couple guys down there. And there's personal friends of Shaquille O'Neal, as he'll tell you. Yeah, there's a few uh, media guys he talked to. They said there were some in there um, that they believe that LeBron definitely said she was an F and B. Which you know what? Given how she's acting, I think it's warranted to tell you the truth. And um, but they said that the guy was being. Forget the word. The guy was being ignorant and really mean, but he didn't use any slurs. Mm-hmm. But they didn't say like he like. There's a difference when you hackle uh, when you mess with people. You're like, Yo, LeBron, LeBron, you're shooting thirty percent tonight. 
it's different than saying LeBron, you're a little bitch. You know, it's different when you get personal. And quite frankly, I, I'm of the elk. Like, I don't think fans should get personal with people. No, not at all. When you go to a baseball stadium and you, you're yelling at the pitchers in the like at Citizens Bank Park, you know, tell them, you know, hey, your hat's stupid, you know, stuff like that. But uh, pitchers got a big butt. <laughs> you have some people, but you know, sometimes people take it too far. Yeah, yeah. I, I like. I always think of Chris Bosh, and when he went on that show first take. It's like 10 years ago, but he was like, I don't have a problem with you disrespecting how I played or saying I played poorly. Disrespect my game. Don't disrespect my name. That's my yeah. family's name. Don't joke on my family's name. Don't go there. But nobody actually knows what the guy said. Like, nobody heard it. Mm. So, and LeBron didn't even want her kicked out. He was like, <laughs> I wouldn't have had her kicked out, but they were like, she wouldn't put her mask back up, so they had to tell her to roll. They got to do what they got to do from that standpoint. He said, I he said, I enjoy the back and forth. When they, yeah. somebody, the worst thing you can do, I think I've told people this, is to piss LeBron off. Yeah. We saw what happened when KG pissed him off. We saw if what happened were, when Draymond pissed him off. Don't what happened when Draymond pissed him off. <laughs> exactly. If you're courtside. What are you trying? What are you yelling at LeBron? Like, what's your best clean <laughs> insult towards LeBron? Who me? I'm not. I'm not. I don't yell at players. I'm yelling hair plugs, yo. Yeah. <laughs> hey, LeBron, yeah, get some soul. I probably if I was gonna if I was going to, to do that, I'd probably make fun of his hairline. Mm-hmm. In some sense. Cause that's a good one. Like I, you can make fun of my hairline and I'm not going to get mad about it. You know, I'm be like, it's Delroy Lindo, your daddy, LeBron. <laughs> you can make fun of him starting kids movies. <laughs> Space Jam too sucked. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, in, uh, you're in kids movies. And then like, he'd be like, yeah, but you know, I'm getting paid. What are you doing? I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Hey, Braun, train wreck sucked. I've, I've been there. I've been there, like, right behind the bench and had a player had to turn around and tell me to shut up. So I know they don't appreciate it. Like, I, I've been there. I haven't gotten, like, where I called the person out their name. Like, I, I, I told Jason Richardson, and that was back when we had Jason Richardson and New Orleans Noel, and they were really in the midst of the tank. Like, I told you, I was behind the bench. And I might have paid like fifty bucks. Jason <laughs> Richardson even play? Was he in? Street? No, he was just sitting there in a suit. That's why I was like, "Yo, you are stealing money, dude. This is what I have to look at because you're stealing money. You and that big oaf next to you." And that's when Nerlens turned around and said, "Yo, just watch the game. Is there a problem?" I said, "No, sir. About six foot ten. There is no problem." <laughs> Imagine being stuck behind Nerlens with that big ass <laughs> high top he used exactly. to have. Hold on. I think I'm being called out at school. Be right back. <laughs> so I guess since we're on the topic of fan interaction, what are I guess uh, what are some of the best, what are some of the worst, I think, that we've experienced? Well, for me, from a from a professional standpoint, me covering a game and, and seeing a fan interaction with players, with uh, you know, the game. Had to be um, when I covered the Wings, they played um, 
Oh, the Georgia Swarm? Yeah, I think it's the Georgia mm-hmm. Swarm. And uh, Lyle Thompson? I don't know if that's his name. He's like the best player in the league. And the announcer egged on the crowd to talk about scalping him and cutting off his ponytail. Oh, yeah, that was I was, that was at the game. I was covering the game. Games. Yeah, was, that was Johnny Hill. Yeah, I was covering that game, and I was appalled in the group. I'm like, I kind of know the lineage of the sport and and especially yeah. the heritage, how important it is. And they're sitting there like, yeah, cut that. I was like, what are you going to cut that braid? They're like, whatever. Cut that ponytail or so whatever they were yelling it was offensive. And I was like, he should not have egged that on. They should not have, like, took it and ran with it. And then, like, my recap of the game also included my – peace and thoughts on that and then you know that guy wound up being removed or whatever but like that was like something i thought that was really visceral like just being in the booth and like being somebody who's covering it and watching the crowd turn and get ugly like that because they've been motivated by you know the the public address announcer it's just not cool sixers sixers fans are pretty liberal with throwing the birds as we oh yeah yeah, the booze, the birds. But they well, even, what, we got the what IT, which is always hilarious. Every time I look back at that one, I went to the stands. I'm like, yo, why are you saying that? I'm sorry, okay. I just wanted a frost. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's there's so many funny things they get yelled at games like the fans and everything. And I'm sometimes you see the players turn around and they they get pissed off about it. I'm like, I know at Wings game when there's a penalty on the other team. When they say, uh, you know, they'll announce who the penalty's on, what, what he got called for, and the entire crowd will go get in the box, bitch. <laughs> and I'm like, and sometimes the dudes will turn around, like, yo, who y'all talking to? Like, you wouldn't say that if you were down here. <laughs> no, they're probably safer than if they were in the box. Yeah, of the yeah. are crazy. I like, I like shushing the crowd. Like when I was in high school or, you know, any other time, they're making noise where you're trying to shoot a foul shot, and you make the foul shot, and you're like, shh. I just that's what I like to do. I used to like to try to jump in the crowd too. But uh, we don't need... <laughs> I would uh, always get off was asking for it. <laughs> I was because I was I was always aiming for their uh like if we're at a away game, I'd always aim for the cheerleaders on the bleachers. Mm. <laughs> guys off. What do you mean like trying to dive into them or loose ball? Yeah. Like if there was ever a loose ball situation where I like Maybe I needed to dive. Maybe I maybe I didn't. Maybe I just did it anyway, just to piss some people off. <laughs> I always thought that was fun. Oh man, you ever had anybody say anything to you that you dove onto? No. No. <laughs> Watch it, jerk. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just like you just dive into them, you're like, oh, sorry. And then you kind of run back out. I've had guys who are like They'll bring their girl to the uh, like a like a men's league game or a pickup game or something, and I'll just talk shit to him just to embarrass him in front of his girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they get really mad about that. Well, I mean, that's what usually. Why are you bringing your girl to watch you play basketball exactly. at LA Fitness? Like, no, you no, no, like, be roasted. Men, like men's league games. Oh. Well, usually, like I really fell off. That was back in the day. I, I really fell off, so I, I don't talk shit anymore. I suck. When I was so you, younger, I was a little better. 
So you, you're not one of those people that can just talk regardless uh, of their play? No? Mm. No. I'm usually – I'm pretty quiet nowadays. I mean, I don't know. To tell you the truth, I haven't played in over a year. Mm. Oh, wow. Miles Leonard is out for the year. The Heat oh, started wow. – Well, I don't know if he starts, but just got the update. Is that that yeah. big guy? They've had a whole bunch of issues. Yeah, they're hurting this year. Uh, well, I mean, they were they were a faux Eastern Conference champion. Nah, the Heat. The Heat were okay. They shouldn't have won. They beat the one seed. You gotta they give got, credit for that. They got bubble Yeah, but the one seed was so fraudulent. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, is fraudulent. Yeah. Um. They did. They did. Spo did a good job of taking Giannis out, you know. Um, but I didn't think they were going to be that great this year. But then COVID screwing everything up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we saw. I mean, we saw Mike Scott dress. Exactly. <laughs> so the Sixers could have an eighth player. That where he tells it all. I'm telling you, I will stand by my stance that the Sixers messed that up. I'm telling you, it was the Sixers' fault. Everyone blames the NBA, but if you if you look at it and look at how it happened, they didn't think they were going to play. Then they were told that you know certain guys could play, and then all of a sudden, Ben and Joel ended up on an injury report like an hour and a half before game time. Mm-hmm. And my get well, you saw you saw him get fined for Ben. And my guess was the the league called him and said like, "Yo, you're gonna play this game, or you're gonna get a huge fine for not putting them on the injury report." When your coach just said you knew about it yesterday and the day before, but that's just my my theory. And then Mike Scott dressed one more game, and then he never dressed again. I'm not sure he's ever coming back. Mm, not, not the Mike Scott hive. What are we going to do without them? <laughs> they might have him back. Oh no! What are we? What are we going to do with all, all of those early '20s fans? They'll never come back. I actually like the hive people a little bit. I like I like the hive. I, I do like the hive. Yeah, I like the hive like, too. The hive can migrate. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's not set in stone. Like they're all just Matisse fans waiting to happen. Or we'll all be, we'll be Matisse fans. Mm. Uh, do we think that little two-three zone they ran is sustainable? Is that something we could be seeing more of? Long term? Yeah. Like throughout a whole game? No. No, not the whole <laughs> game. But no. But like as part of a more, we could see it more on defense. Spliced into games. My guess is you see it just to kind of throw teams off. Mm-hmm. Um, and even TJ just came out and said it like Matisse had the whole team shook because of the way he was playing. Um, of course, it would be TJ but, saying that. Mm-hmm. But like, um, this hard. Even even Austin tweeted before the game like, "Hey, the Pacers don't shoot. They can't shoot. They're not a shooting team. So I wonder if they'll go zone. If you have shooters on the court against that zone, you." They'll figure it out real quick, mm-hmm. and once teams start game planning for it. So I don't, I don't think it's sustainable like long term. But yeah, I, if they're struggling a little bit, I bet you they throw it in there every once in a while. 
is, is there a guy on the Sixers you're saying maybe exceeding expectations or not measuring up to them, right? Like outside of your big three, outside of your, you know, Joel, Tobias, Ben. You mean like that's better than what I thought they were? Yeah. Yeah, it's Seth. Seth? Yeah. Um, even though he's struggling, I I really didn't think Seth was going to be able to take on a heavier load, mm-hmm. do more ball handling, you know, a higher usage rate, and uh, still be efficient. But, I mean, he's kind of proven he has. The last couple games he struggled, though. But Seth, Seth probably stands out to me. Um That's really about it. Shake's kind of under underwhelming me right now. But um, I don't know. Danny Green. Uh, Danny Green's actually been better than I thought. If they would stop sticking him on the, the other team's best player and just leaving him out to dry, mm-hmm. he's shooting like 40-something percent from three. Um, if he doesn't dribble the ball, he's fine. <laughs> or try to take layups. This is kind of a bad thing to have to say about a basketball player, but yeah, he he he's had a he had a down at the start of the year, but it seems like he's sort of come back up. As yeah, he's he's, he's going to be streaky mm-hmm. for sure. All right, guys. Well, listen, I'm going to let you guys go finish because I'm getting yelled at. No, <laughs> I got a group. I got a chat. I guess they're trying to call my name. My my computer's on mic on mute. I really don't That's care. Fine. Me and the Matt Marite will finish up with some baseball talk. We can finally stop the hashtag sign JT. Yeah. <laughs> we have signed JT. We have signed JT. It has happened. Yes. And DD. And DD. So all, all right, these people they just go by initials. I don't. <laughs> if anyone doesn't know me. You can find me on Twitter at manoffrm. Um, probably going to do – I might do a piece tonight about some small trades the Sixers can do to make them better. Maybe. We'll see. But pay attention. I'll be out there. All right. All right, guys. I'll talk to you. Yeah, see you, Rob. See you. Oh, Mr. Meritek, <laughs> how do you feel about those signings? Do you think those signings are something that's going to put them over the hump, as it were, the Phillies, or do they have a lot of work to go as far as being the team that can even just sniff the wild card? Well, uh, what it does is it gets them like back five to the hump, now, right? right? Like five <laughs> What'd you right. say? It gets them back to the hump. Yeah, right? it gets them to the hump. Without, DD, up, without JT, <laughs> they weren't going to get there, right? No, they no. got to rely on Scott Kingery for offense. No, thank you, sir. Uh-uh. You know, Reese Hoskins, he, who oh, knows if he can know, even he swing a bat anymore at this point. Yeah. Him. I mean, if you imagine that, say, DD and JT have, you know, with their average seasons, you know, what they're capable of, if you think Alec Baum is going to start advancing, have an even better year than last year, you know, be able to produce more, then 
you know, you could have something, right? They could, in theory, get there. It's going to come down to the pitching. And I don't know if they have the pitching. Yeah, it's going to come down to the pitching, especially the the bullpen that was so lackluster last year. It wasn't even lately. It was absolutely horrid. Like, mm-hmm. if they can't, no matter how much offense they have, if they can't stop teams from scoring runs late in games, they are going to lose a bunch of games. That's just the way that is. So, unless they get that situation rectified, whether it's with confident starters that can go deep in innings, even though it doesn't even seem like a thing that's happening in baseball right now. Mm-hmm. I think the, the the complete game guys are one in a million if you can find one in this era of baseball. It's a shock you can get somebody that'll go six, seven innings and just leave you the, the last two to be able to seal a win. So they're going to have to do some things as far as their arms go and whether or not, you know, they can sustain uh, or help, you know, the, the offense that they, they clearly have tried to put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, you know, do, do they have enough in Archie Brad or what is it? Archie Bradley? Is that the new yes. guy? Yes. Yeah. Is he even a closer? No. He's not. Yeah, I, I was having this argument with, with Doc the other day. He was like, well, he's clearly going to be the closer. I'm like, dude has like 18 career saves in a decade-long career. I'm not sure he's the out-and-out <laughs> closer. Stay in your lane, boss. <laughs> right. As far as I'm concerned, it's Hector Neris's job, and I'm scared. Oh, man, nobody wants to depend on Hector Neris to get you a win. <laughs> no. And the, uh, are they going to have a left-handed starter? Mm. I mean, probably. Maybe? Maybe. I mean, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be able to... I mean, yeah. it's like they're, they're signing guys off the Japanese baseball scrap heap. Right, like like my, what what the other guy they just brought in, Matt Moore. He's please have played for a hilarious team name, Matt Moore, baseball pitcher, not football quarterback. Let's see. So you know he's played for Tampa, for San Francisco. Yes. It's crazy the the way they're trying to pick people up. Like, it it, it reminds me of Major League Two when Corbin Burnson's like the GM. And he's like, yeah, I got you an outfielder. He used to play Mm -hmm. for the Yankees. Not those Yankees. (laughs) And he gets the dude from, like, the Japanese team. That's what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, who Who was in... There was somebody in Major League Two that was supposed to be the replacement for, wasn't it? Uh, the, why can't I remember his name right now? Wesley Snipes. Oh yeah, well Omar Epps was in Major League Two as Willie Mays Hayes. He replaced Wesley Snipes in the yeah. first one. It's like <laughs> like that's what we're doing right now. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Omar Epps is nowhere near as athletic as my man Wesley. Exactly. I've seen Blade. Wesley can do some things. Exactly. I don't intend to slide. (laughs) And I I don't mean to disrespect Omar Epps. Man, (laughs) Omar Epps. But 
you, you can't give me Wesley in one movie and then try to feed me Omar in the next one. Like, it's just no, going to slip no, that in. Like, those are two unique cats. I'm not going to get confused. Uh-uh, not at all. Especially when you, you, you seem to have the sports repertoire you get from Wesley if it wasn't Major League and then White Man Can't Jump. Like, this dude clearly is made for sports movies. Don't mm-hmm. don't screw up a good thing. <laughs> Omar was in a he was in a basketball movie, right? Yeah, he was in Love and Basketball. Oh, okay. Well, that's just that's a romantic comedy, basically. Exactly. And then he tore his ACL in the yeah. movie. <laughs> he's out there. He's out there trying to back down Gabrielle Union. <laughs> Might have been her. So I don't know, D Wade. I'm sorry. I don't mean yeah. like that. Yeah, I don't think we still don't have that much Philly steam because we is training camp even going to start? Who knows? Exactly. Is the season going to be delayed? Who knows? Are they going to play the whole one sixty two? Who knows? Yeah, I think the proposal now is for like one fifty two. Yeah, that's what, ooh, you cut ten games. Look at yeah. you! You're really giving them a break, aren't you? But the season's still going to be delayed, so it's going to end up going into November. Going to be playing baseball in thirty two degree weather. It's going to be ridiculous. Oh, man, I can just remember that takes me back to that 08 World Series when they were playing and it was like torrential downfall. Yeah. It's like 50 degrees outside. Like, it's freezing. How are they playing baseball? I mean, they had to delay one of the games in the middle of the game, which was like the first time that it ever happened. Do you want some of these Super Bowl betting odds? Want yeah. to get some picks in? Please give me some. I, I would love it. My pick is Kansas City, but I would like to know what the prop bets are. I don't want to get on that. Okay. Well, for, starting off with the simple ones, we got the point spread of the Chiefs minus three, which seems like a pretty easy cover, right? I would think so. I don't think that's going to be a field goal game. That's going to be at least a touchdown game either way. So – the Chiefs minus three should be good money. Yeah. And then let's see. The over-under, which I think is a way more interesting number here, is 56. Which I could see it going over or under. But eh, you never know. I think huh, the, there are some interesting prop bets. You know, a coin toss is always minus 150, minus 150. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I wonder uh, who, uh, who they got first. Like, what's the highest uh, odds on uh, any time touchdown or first touchdown? I want mm-hmm. to pick a dark horse for something like that. Somebody like LaShawn McCoy is my dark horse for first touchdown score. <laughs> I was like, no, I, I got it all on me, Cole Hardman. <laughs> exactly. I'm betting the house. I'm betting the house on me, Cole Hardman, yeah. Uh, okay. What will be said first, COVID or pandemic? COVID is COVID. the minus 500 favor. Yeah, favor. it'll probably be COVID. I don't know. How many times will Bill Belichick be mentioned? Minus 175 for more than once or plus 135 for less than once? 
Oh, easily more than once. Oh, uh, coach to have nostrils seen first during the game. Andy Reid at plus 150 or Bruce Arians hit minus 250. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't even know who to pick for that one. Probably Andy. Okay. Uh, the amount of times Giselle Bunchen is shown on camera. Over one and a half at minus 250 and under one and a half at a plus 170. Oh, that's the over. That's the over. Mm-hmm. They're going to, especially if they're losing or something bad is happening. Oh, that's the over. <laughs> okay, here, here you go. Chiefs first touchdown score. You got uh, Tyreek Hill at plus 320, Kelsey at plus 350, Edwards Hilaire at 750. Hardman at 1100, Sam, slamming Sammy Watkins at 1200, slamming Sammy Watkins, Mahomes uh, at 1200, and Le'Veon Bell at 1600, who I completely forgot about. I would pick Le'Veon just because. Yeah. And then the Bucks are it's Mike Evans at 400, uh, Fournette at 600, Godwin at 600, uh, AB at 700. Ronald Jones at 750, Gronk at 900, Scotty Miller at 1400, and Cameron Brait at 1600. No, not even odds for top. Mm. I mean, the, you can bet on the first reception. Uh, you can bet on interceptions. It's oof. You can bet 25 plus 2500 on Tom Brady to have 50 or more rushing yards. I doubt it. That's not going to happen. Yeah, no, I would not. Okay, how about primary color of Patrick Mahomes' headband? Hmm. I think he's going he red. Take a shot at minus 400 on red? <laughs> yeah, I think he's going red. <laughs> I don't know I mean, who, who drew the home jerseys. I don't know if he's one of those guys that likes the color coordinator or not. I had a pet peeve about that. We got – like the certain teams, like where the sleeves don't match the jerseys and stuff like that. Oh yeah, there's no reason where like you should have a green Packer jersey on and Aaron has on like white sleeves. I, that annoys the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always the coin toss. That's the best bet in sports: fifty-fifty. Yeah, got an even chance. I would probably bet Ty Hill over 89 and a half yards. That's yeah. the number there for his over under on receiving yards. What's Travis Kelsey's? Is this on there? Uh, I don't see Kelsey's. Mm. I don't know. C- CBS Sports, not the greatest. For betting. I wonder what Mahomes uh passing yards over under is. I don't know, but you gotta think that would be high. I mean, I still think I don't know, there's something almost magician like about Brady that I can't bet against. Even though I want to, I think. But at the same time, I'm also over I'm over Andy.
You over Andy? Yeah. Right. He oh. got his win, right? You got to let it go. You let him yeah. go now. He got his win. WIP had Andy Reid Appreciation Day. I'm good. It's fine. I've paid my penance, you know, for calling him fat, right? <laughs> for, for, for calling him the good old red walrus, you know, for making the barbecue jokes. <laughs> I've done enough. I do like Antonio Brown receptions at four for the over under. I like under four. You like under four? He has been underutilized. That that yeah. under four might 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 hit. Especially since that that rookie, that young kid, he keeps getting a lot of catches. Mm-hmm. Like he keeps going to him in like the go to spots. It's not A B. It's like that kid. And then you always know what Mike Evans is going to be the main target. Yeah, it I wonder if, if if Gronk has made any bets. I know there is a roughing the passer penalty. Plus 100 for yes. Between Mahomes and Brady, there's going to be a roughing the passer. There has to be. In regards to Gronk, because he is up and down. You never know what he's going to do, whether or not it could be a touchdown thing or his yards because like it seems like some games they go to him some games they don't it's like he was along for the ride most of the season and it kind of irritated me you, you got to think that this would be why they had the why gronk came out right for a game like this this is you know his big shot you got to think brady has that level of comfort comfortability with him yeah i think mike evans is just the big decoy in this mm. scenario. Well, you know, I could be wrong. Either way, uh, as long as there's uh, some good commercials, I'll have some wings, some drinks. Oh, yeah, you got to have all the grub. Yeah. You know, me. The whole plate of like mini sliders that'll be good, yeah. You know, Super Bowl Sunday is the number two food consumption day in North America. Number one is Thanksgiving. I mean, a nice plate of antipasta in order, you know, in, in celebration of Sidiani, and- exactly. <laughs> you sound like you have some. Unruly yeah, children. Starting, in the it's starting to get crazy. So I think we are going to end this uh, edition of Right the Radio via <laughs> via satellite, if you want to call it that. But uh, y'all heard from Rob Manoff. I'm Bobby Dubs. You can always catch me on Instagram at Robo the Writer. You can catch me on Twitter uh, at YoungSpud1385, or you can type in Bobby Dubs. Uh, I'm probably going to have something out on Carson Wentz coming soon. We did all Sirianni week. Make sure you check that out from fabulous writers, uh, Ashley Woods and AJ Iezzy. Is that how you say it? Iezzy. Iezzy. I like that. I like that. Iezzy. AJ Iezzy. Go check those out. They got a lot of great stuff on the new coach. And like I said, I'll have something on Carson and his uh, lack thereof when it comes to press conferences of his own but uh 
yeah, that's what you can get from me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Carson has the right to remain silent. Silent. Yeah. Miranda gave him that right. <laughs> Miranda. I ain't seen no Miranda. What Medea say? I ain't seen no Miranda. Where's Miranda? Nope. Miranda didn't even come. He didn't even show me Miranda. And I am Matt Maritea. I am working on. Uh, I got an interview out with Malik Warren. I got another one of his stable mates here, another Baltimore, Maryland area guy coming up. Uh, Monzabori Condi, uh, he's going to be a guy to watch. That interview is going to be out soon. I'm going to have a column out about the Flyers soon. And news dropped today about EA Sports getting back in the game. Exactly. They are back with NCAA football, or as they're calling it, EA Sports College football they're bringing it back i dropped that story today there's a ton of other stuff to read doc's on his horse again he's writing like every day uh getting austin, a whole lot of baseball stuff covered for you austin just dropped his column uh about the spurs shooting long twos which i think is fascinating as a, this is a disciple <laughs> of pop um yeah th- th- there's a lot happening a lot going on I'm trading barbs back and forth with Rojas about tennis. <laughs> lot to see, lot to take in. So make sure you guys find it all. I am at Emerite22 on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, Last Out Media, you can see everything that we do. We make sure it all gets posted. Uh, Facebook, there's Instagram. It's all there. 